0: This evening, we'll be looking at Jonah chapter 1. Lord willing, as I have the opportunity to preach in the evening, I will be going through the book of Jonah. It's a short book, and we should be able to move through it one chapter at a time, and so this evening we'll be looking at, again, Jonah chapter 1. So, contextually... Jonah is a book among the minor prophets. In terms of authorship, there is no direct claim to authorship in the book. It very well could have been Jonah himself. Much of the information here is information that is personal. So it would make sense if Jonah were the author, although it's not certain. The reality that Jonah is written in third person does not exclude Jonah as the author. Examples such as 1 Samuel exist, where the author writes concerning themselves in third person. So it is definitely possible that Jonah is the one who's writing about himself here in this book, the book of Jonah. So a little more information about Jonah himself. 2 Kings chapter 14 references Jonah in a way that places him in roughly the same area and time frame as King Jeroboam more than likely meaning that Jonah was a prophet to the northern tribes of Israel, the ten northern tribes, excluding Judah and Benjamin, which made up the southern part of the kingdom after they split. Additionally, 2 Kings chapter 14 reveals that Jonah originated from a place called gath hepher which would have been around Nazareth. So when the religious leaders in John chapter 7 state that no prophet had ever come out of Galilee That's actually factually untrue, because Jonah would have been a Galilean. So the book of Jonah stands as a testimony to God's relentless grace that pursues whether we think we want it or not. He does not leave us where we are, but comes to us. So again, this evening, we'll be looking at Jonah chapter 1. But before we read the text together, let us pray. Lord, we praise you this evening that we have the opportunity to open your word together. It is a precious, precious gift. I pray that this time would not be used in a frivolous way, but it would be utilized in a way that honors you, that is respectful of your word, and that makes clear what your word says. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So reading the text, this is the Word of God. Jonah chapter 1, starting in verse 1. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord, He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. But the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship threatened to break up. Then the mariners were afraid, and each cried out to his God, and they hurled the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten it for them. But Jonah had gone down into the inner part of the ship, And had lain down and was fast asleep. So the captain came and said to him, What do you mean, you sleeper? Arise, call out to your God. Perhaps the God will give a thought to us that we may not perish. And they said to one another, Come let us, cast lots, that we might know on whose account this evil has come upon us. So they cast lots, and the lot fell to Jonah. And then they said to him, Tell us on whose account this evil has come upon us. What is your occupation? And he said to them, Pick me up and hurl me into the sea. Then the sea will quiet down for you, for I know it is because of me that this great tempest has come upon you. Nevertheless, the men rode hard to get back to the dry land, but they could not, for the sea grew more and more tempestuous against them. Therefore they called out to the Lord, O Lord, let, not, let us not perish for this man's life, and lay not on us innocent blood, for you, O Lord, have done as it pleased you. So they picked up Jonah and hurled him into the sea. And the sea ceased from its raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Jonah is interesting because while other prophets prophesied Frequently against or about other nations. Jonah is unique in that God sends him to a foreign nation to prophesy to them. Nineveh was founded originally by Nimrod, who was the grandson of Noah. You can find that in Genesis chapter 10. Nineveh was a Gentile city in the capital of Assyria. The Assyrians were an enemy of Israel. The Israelites hated the Assyrians, not merely as political foes, but also because they viewed them as being spiritually inferior. You can absolutely pick up on this as you read through Jonah. Ironically, Assyria would be the kingdom that would ultimately carry the northern ten tribes away into captivity in 2 Kings chapter 17. And so, in a sense, the audacity that God would ask Jonah to come to them, this evil pagan people that hates God's people, there's a deep irony there that we will unpack as we go. And so Jonah resents the idea, right, that he should have to go and proclaim judgment to this wicked people because they don't deserve it. Jonah believes he is righteous because he is one of God's people, of the people of Israel. Those who dwell in Nineveh, on the other hand, are not. They are not God's people. In fact, they are enemies of God's people. And that doesn't even take into account the evil people that dwell in Nineveh, the city. They deserve judgment. And yet God sends Jonah to them. He would not see the people who dwell in Nineveh wiped out. He would give them opportunity to cast themselves on him in faith and repentance. And so Jonah is a book about God's relentless pursuit of the people who live in Nineveh. He would see His grace go even there. Even there. There's a great city full of people who deserve judgment, and God will declare to them their true state before Him. And this declaration is a call, a transformative call that cannot and will not leave Nineveh the same, and God will not allow his messenger to escape because Jonah knows the kind of God that he is. And so he attempts to escape. God will not allow him to do that. Jonah cannot short circuit God's plan of grace, and God plans to bring his grace to the thousands upon thousands that live in Nineveh. And yet, This book is not only an account of God pursuing the countless thousands in Nineveh. It's also an account of God's pursuit of a man. A man who hates the Assyrians and wants them to die. And so Jonah runs. I mentioned this morning the prodigal son, Luke chapter 15. The book of Jonah is very similar to that parable there are some commentators who actually when when they look at Jesus telling the parable of the prodigal son and then look at Jonah, they wonder if when Jesus tells that parable, he's actually basing it off of Jonah. There's a lot of similarities here. So here in Jonah 1, Jonah is the brother who runs away from home. He is the prodigal. He attempts to flee to Tarshish from Joppa. And God won't let go of Jonah. Jonah cannot get away no matter how much he wants to escape. He couldn't pry himself out of God's hand. Now, let's look at the irony of verses 4 through 16. They're in the boat. There's the storm. Here is Jonah. He's on this boat attempting to escape from God. And God sends a storm to thwart his escape. A terrible storm. It's interesting because throughout the book of Jonah, Jonah is constantly contrasted with the pagans that he hates. Throughout this, this entire portion, verses 4 through 17, Jonah is compared to the sailors, right? The mariners. Throughout this entire portion, those who are on the boat, all of them pagans are more pious, moral, moral, compassionate. I could go on just from reading these, this example here. Then Jonah. Look how hard, for instance, they attempt to save Jonah. Verse 13. Nevertheless, the men rode hard to get back to dry land, but they could not, for the sea grew more and more tempestuous against them. They know that Jonah is the reason why the storm is as fierce as it is. Jonah's disobedience Jonah revealed to them the solution, throw him overboard. And to those on the ship, they probably believe that tossing Jonah over into the sea was a death sentence for Jonah. So they risked themselves trying to save him, rowing hard, hard here being literally to dig in. They're giving all they have to try to get back to land so that they can save Jonah. And then on the other end, Remember why Jonah is on the boat. Jonah, a prophet of the one true God, is on this boat because he hates the people of Nineveh and is refusing to obey God by going to the people of Nineveh because he hates them. He would rather them be destroyed than for them to have the opportunity for salvation. And so this boat's pagan crew puts Jonah to shame. Throughout the book of Jonah, Jonah is put to shame by everyone else in the story here initially in chapter 1 by the crew of the ship, later by the people of Nineveh, you have a descendant of Abraham, one of the people of Israel, a prophet no less, who directly receives a word from God. And if you take him and put him up against the crew, and then later the people of Nineveh, every time Jonah is the one who falls short. Jonah does not hold in faith to God who he is and his promises. Rather, he flees. Simultaneously, he disregards the value of his fellow human beings. Again, he would rather see the people of Nineveh die due to the wrath of God than for them to have the opportunity to receive God's mercy. Jonah wasn't a great guy, and yet God comes after Jonah. He will not let him go. He first sends the storm, and then at the end of chapter 1, we see that Jonah is swallowed by a great fish. Notice also here the sovereignty of God here in this. Verse 17 tells us that God appointed the great fish. God appoints Jonah to go to Nineveh. He flees on a ship. God sends a storm. Jonah tells the crew that he ought to be thrown overboard. There at that time, at that specific place, once he is thrown overboard, there is a fish there to swallow Jonah once he is cast overboard. This is the plan. Jonah didn't get away from God's plan. Everything that has been taking place so far is part of the plan. God is pursuing not only the people of Nineveh, but also Jonah with his relentless grace. And all of this is happening. Isn't it amazing how God works? Because I feel like a a common thing leveled against men is that we cannot multitask. That's pretty true. I have a hard time, like, if the TV's on and my wife is talking to me, I'm not getting, I have to, I'm sorry, what? And I have to turn in like, because I can't do both at the same time. God is weaving all of these threads together in a way that His grace would reach not only Jonah, but also the people of Nineveh. And this is happening in at, at the same time through the same means. God is working this out. So here in chapter 1, let's move back a little bit. Verse 5 into verse 6. He's sleeping in the boat while the storm rages. This might ring a bell for you for something else that happens in Scripture. Jesus, on a different boat, was the one sleeping, Right? during a storm. The difference here, though, is that Jesus is the master of the storm and will calm the storm to keep those with him safe. In Jonah's case, Jonah doesn't care. He's asleep while the crew is fighting for their lives and even once he wakes up, doesn't do or say anything until he is implicated by the casting of lots. Jonah has to know at this point why this is happening. It's because he's running. But he doesn't share the truth until he has to because he does not pay it. Jonah doesn't deserve the grace of God any more than the people in Nineveh do. Everyone else in the story of Jonah displays more piety and compassion than Jonah. And so if we were to attempt to tally works or morality, if we're playing that kind of game, if anything, the pagans are more righteous than Jonah does. And God comes after Jonah anyway. He brings Jonah to the end of himself there in the belly of that fish so that Jonah might come home. Jonah believes that the right thing, the thing that he and his people need is the obliteration of those who dwell in Nineveh. And so Jonah flees. He plays God in his decisions, refusing to acknowledge that God's plan is better than his. Now, let me ask a question even to myself. How far are we willing to take grace? I think we all have lines that we've drawn, maybe that we're aware of, maybe we have no clue that they exist. But there are lines that are drawn that if crossed, we'd really rather grace not cover that because we want justice. We want judgment. We want the bill to come due and for the person who is guilty to pay. There are probably people for all of us that when push comes to shove, we'd really rather them receive judgment. And so we shortchange grace, not understanding that any measure of grace defies all reason because we don't even have a marginal grasp on how heinous our sin is to God. I don't deserve it and neither did Jonah. No one does, that's why. It's grace, and so grace offends our own twisted sense of righteousness. And this makes me think of the conversion of Paul in Acts chapter 9. Verse 1 of Acts chapter 9, just prior to his encounter with Christ on the road to Damascus, tells us that Paul was, quote, breathing threats and murder against the disciples. Paul hated Christians, and he persecuted them. Who knows how many Christians suffered at his hands prior to his conversion. We do know that he held the coats of the people that stoned and killed Stephen. Imagine this. Paul encounters Christ, is blinded, and then you're the one God commands to go to Paul to lay hands on him that he might be restored. Imagine being that guy. His name, that guy, was Ananias. If you were Ananias, what in part of you really hate Paul? The human thing there, I think, would be to not like Paul at all. Paul, like the people of Nineveh, was a persecutor who did evil things. Paul had persecuted people that Ananias and others probably knew personally. And then here he is on a platter, so to speak, blind, finally getting a taste of what he deserves. Wouldn't you want justice for Stephen, for anyone else? wouldn't you want the divine judge to visit vengeance upon Paul? And here, God calls Ananias to see him healed and that God would show Paul mercy. And so I wonder if Ananias may have had a thought like Jonah to run. I'm not doing that. I'm not going to see Paul. You know what he did. Paul doesn't deserve your grace. That's not for me. I can't do that. But God purposed to use Ananias as an instrument of grace that Paul might be saved. And in this way, Paul is like Nineveh and Ananias is like Jonah. The distinction is in what Ananias does versus what Jonah does. Their initial responses are different. Ananias obeys while Jonah runs. The grace was for both of them. Ananias and Jonah. Paul and Nineveh. Whether the son remained in the home or the son ran away from the home, the love of God worked in both situations to bring about God's transmission of grace to and through Ananias and Jonah for Paul, for Ananias, for Nineveh, for, Nineveh. for Ananias. For Jonah, God was not merely seeking to pursue Nineveh here in Jonah. He was relentlessly going after Jonah too. Romans 8 tells us that we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come no powers nor heights nor depths or anything in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. That held true for Jonah. None of Jonah's wrestling could separate them from the grace of God. There's a bit of Jonah in all of us, sometimes I think. Years ago, when I was first wrestling through what I would pursue to do with my life, most of you probably know that... Um, I grew up the son of a pastor. And its uh, it was hard. It's not easy to be a pastor, and it's hard to be a pastor's kid. And so when it came to what I would do with my life, I didn't want that. I didn't want to be a pastor. I knew how hard it was. I knew how hard church could be. And so I tried in many ways to do something else. there, There was no giant fish in my story. You know, I wasn't on the Ohio River, you know, and then came out and got me. Nothing like that happened. There was no raging storm. But there was no peace for me in anything else. I had to do ministry. I have to. Not because of anything special about me, but because of what I believe He has purposed me for. Now, the temptation in what I just said is for me or for you or for all of us to fall into analysis paralysis. What if I missed God's will? What if I messed it up? Listen. Jonah tried really, really hard to mess up God's plan for Nineveh and for himself. He didn't want the plan, so he did everything he could to derail it. This wasn't just outward circumstances. This is Jonah specifically, the guy who had a call, who believed in the one true God, who was a prophet. He really tried to throw every monkey wrench he had into the whole thing to blow it up. Did God let that happen? No. So I would say if you hold to Christ, if you're not choosing sin, be at peace. Okay? You will be where He intends you to be. All the time I spent trying to run was not wasted time either. I don't know if there are instances where you've, you've come out of it, you realize I made a mistake, that was the wrong decision, that was more painful than it had to be if I had just done this before the first time. I don't know if you have situations like that, but you can look back. I have lots of things like that. And at the end of the day, none of it is wasted. All things are for His glory and the good Of his people, that's not just a blanket statement. That's specific to each person in here. So even in all the silly running that I've done, or maybe you have done, because of God's grace, what does it? Joseph said, "You intended it for evil, God meant it for good. For good. For you." You can't mess it up. You can't lose it. You can't be separated from it. God's plan is unbreakable. His love is unchanging. His grace is relentless. And it is for you. It's for you.